In today's episode of the Good Writing Podcast, we continue our discussion of the bell jar, as well as how to submit to literary magazines and what that entire rigmarole process is actually like when you're going through it. Enjoy! Hey, Ben! <laughs> How's it going? Ben, my dog puked at 2 a.m. I am feeling weird. It's going to be a weird app for me. How is it going for you? It's going good. Had a weird Christmas party at work. Also feeling kind of weird and tired. So it will be Wait, a that... weird episode as well. That Was wasn't that today? today. Oh, okay. No, the, the, You're just the, still reeling. And I'll, what I'll say to the listener is that if you want to hear the story of the Christmas party, uh, listen to my other podcast, Three Locos, and I tell this story on there as well. <laughs> um, Ooh, yeah. I got the one-on-one yeah. of the Three Locos feature before we yeah. started recording. I love this for me. Um, exactly. Yeah, hey everybody, uh, welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. Uh, we're your hosts, I'm Emily. And I'm Ben. And in this podcast, we're, we happen to be two uh, friends from an MFA writing program, and we uh, talk about, we read stuff we like, and we talk about it on a craft level. We really miss those craft level discussions about writing. So that's what mm-hmm. the point of this podcast is. So if you are a uh, writer, maybe someone who's thinking about an MFA or who otherwise really likes literary writing, writing uh, we're the show for you to, uh, I don't know, think about craft and feel free to take any ideas we talk about here and turn them into an exercise, a warm-up for your own writing practices. Yeah. If you write a, an entire short story or novel based on something that you do in here and get it published, uh, tell us about that, because that, that would be a big win, and we'd tell everyone to read it. Um, I absolutely would tell everyone to read it. And also, uh, I think we'd, I think we have to to mail him mail this person a kiss i think we'd have to each i know we live separately but we'd have to each get postcards and we'd have to kiss them and send them in the mail to this person yeah 100 percent uh you don't have to tell me your address i already know it um anyway (laughs) our podcast stats we have premium searching (laughs) actually we don't we have they're like anywho we're not trying to monetize this bad boy irrelevant um (laughs) Oh man, if you want to see a picture of a state colored in uh, because someone listened to your podcast there, I suggest um, using a service. It is invigorating though. And I would like to give a special shout out to our listeners, possibly two listeners based on the numbers or or just someone with multiple devices in North Dakota. Thank you, North Dakota. It's a pleasure to serve. Big ups to North Dakota. Big ups to the person that listened from Hong Kong. If that was a person and not some sort of data scraper um, that's mm. uh, IP is located in Hong Kong, <laughs> um, you know, just our data was podcasts. scraped. Yeah, uh, probably <laughs> on some level. <laughs> I know it's terrifying. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, our data has so. been denuded, uh, <laughs> scraped down to its core. Uh, welcome to the Good Writing Podcast. Ben, how's writing and reading this week? <laughs> writing and reading are good this week. Um, writing is, you know, I've, I've done a little bit of writing here and there, but what I've been doing mainly for writing is submitting. I've Ooh, been submitting a short story that boy. I wrote, and I've been trying to get people to read it and look at it. And submitting is weirdly difficult, even though you'd think it wouldn't be. Extremely difficult. like shockingly we live in the 21st century Mm -hmm. all of these magazines are online now you don't need to have postage anymore you haven't needed to for years this is not new and Mm -hmm. yet it's a massive massive headache yeah Uh, dude it get into it ben what's happening to you (laughs) well it's just my questions kind of go around the fact of like why do I need to put my physical address in the context of the manuscript? Why is that part of standard manuscript formatting? Why is a place that I'm emailing the story to 
why do they want that? Why do they want it twice? They want me to put it in the body of the email as well as in the manuscript itself. I, I don't like They're this. They're coming uh, to your house. <laughs> They're coming to your town home, Ben. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, maybe it's because they're a place that pays. Maybe they send out a physical check. No, they pay you via PayPal. Because like you said, Emily, it's the 21st century. Um, and that's this whole what they do. Wait, is it... I'm looking at a mag that requires physical address. And it's, I'm assuming, because the, like... Um, it's it it's like to sign up for their to get the magazines like to get uh, mailed the magazines yeah okay that makes sense this is an online publication what the heck <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I don't know I don't know like you know what what I will say though is that I, I one of the places I, I'm not gonna name this place because I don't want to like be slamming them and being like also like please accept my short story um, yeah of course. but yeah i i will name um uh alien lit mag as a place that i submitted to uh you go alien very, yeah alien rules um the we 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 you know i i won't say that i know one of the people that i i've met him and we had class together but i didn't know him very well um yeah, yeah one of the co-founders of alien lit mag uh matt hawkins went to our mfa yes. program and we are yeah. very proud of them um, yes, the, uh, my apologies. Yeah. Uh, that is totally, as you can see, I don't know them very well. <laughs> that just evidence. Um, yeah, <laughs> the uh, evidence emerges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in one class with them, and they were very, very kind and a very good writer. So nothing. Phenomenal, nice phenomenal yeah. memoir mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, Aliens a great pub. Aliens a cool publication. Actually, can we take? Can we like go back a step? Yeah. Uh, one thing that we like about Alien, in addition to its, you know, the masthead is at least one person, mm-hmm. actually a few people read for it that we know, um, mm-hmm. who whose judgment we like and whose taste we trust. Um, mm-hmm. And also who, like, we trust as honest, good people who are not trying yeah. to, like, defraud anybody. And, yeah. Um, but a thing that we really like about Alien in this house is it's free to apply and it's free to submit and they pay, um, which is... Yeah. I've like that doesn't happen. Like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but Ben, taking a step back, when you you had this piece, it's a certain tone, it's a certain you know style. Um, mm-hmm. How did you make your list of which magazines to apply to? I'm I'm in the pro- I make the list as I go. Usually, I'll find a place I want to apply to, and then apply. Say, okay, I'm going to make that application now, so I don't forget or I don't lose heart and like go back on myself and change my mind. Um, like if I decide I'm going to submit to something, I make that submission. Um, but the way that I go into choosing this, and I would also like to know your process for this as well, Emily, um, is basically is by searching through google uh for various literary magazines that are genre specific um Mm -hmm. because i i i'm submitting this thing to horror magazines mostly mostly with a little bit of line outside of that alien is not a horror magazine by any means but um it's i used to there used to be a really great resource called dark markets um that was just showing like what was taking horror submissions for anthologies what the themes of those anthologies were um, and, and it was a great resource for that. Sadly, no longer exists. Um, was went down during the pandemic uh, due to the owners um, ha- having you know issues as everyone did that during this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, they were a big go-to for me because they were just a great aggregator of like, okay, here's these magazines that are looking for these themes. Here's this place that's trying to put out an omnibus that's looking for submissions, like, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the, other than that, like it, it really is just kind of a googling around to see if there's anything that's taking stuff right now that's new, and then also just seeing where authors I like have submitted and where their publications have ended up, and, yeah. and that's the other big one. Like yeah, but how, when you're shopping around, because you've also started to do contests, how, how are you finding stuff? Literally, I did one. Don't be impressed. Um, <laughs> and we'll hear back and like. Who knows? Four months. Um, yeah. So don't, don't be impressed. I, I just, I could have lit a $20 bill on fire for the amount of, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think there's a few stages for this for me. So as as I as you know very well, Ben, I am a uh, recovering type A 
perfectionist. I'm a recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, first stage for me and for anyone listening like me is you open a Google sheet <laughs> and mm-hmm. then um, just make a list of literary magazines mm-hmm. that you like or that you want to check out. And how mm-hmm. have I historically discovered literary magazines has come from all kinds of locations. The only thing that has consistently been really awesome for me is once I am reading something in a lit mag or reading something, reading an author bio in a different location, authors often list, you know, they're usually three favorite publications that they've been published in before. Author's mm-hmm. work has been previously published in blah, blah, da, 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 da. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't mm-hmm. often don't do a very long list, but the few, I found some awesome obviously prestigious publications that way but i've also for the few authors that do like a really long list of authors been published in like Mm -hmm. seven plus places those ones towards the end tend to like sometimes can be really cool diamonds in the rough and because they're less established and less well known like the um maybe likelihood of getting through is, is higher um so yeah i think like session zero of applying to lit mags if you use a D metaphor is like just get a familiarity for like a list of lit mags that you actually like um yeah. because i have had experiences where i like open a lit mag and i read something and i don't like it and i'm like huh they were that was a featured that was a featured on their homepage. like I read two more things don't like either of them i don't get through all of it um and i take that lit mag off my list because my style doesn't match up with theirs and and that's okay. I think that's a really productive use of time is to eliminate options too. Um, yeah. 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 So first session zero for me, was like, try to establish like lit mags that you're going for in addition to those like one off anthology type opportunities. Um, so I established a list of lit mags I'm going for. Um, the other way other than author bios that I found that list was I like just asked the other perfectionist center in our program like, what's your list of lit mags? And all of the perfectionists in your program have a list of lit mags that they like and that they, and they'll rank them by prestige and they will be like descending mm-hmm. order, like sub alphabetical, like multiple. <laughs> um, so get a couple of those lists. Um, there's also some online websites that aggregate like most prestigious literary magazines. Um, so yeah, have a working running list of like lit mags that you like in general, regardless of if this particular piece, any particular piece is a good fit. And then mm-hmm. what people say to do is to like have tiered submissions. So like choose four to six literary magazines that are like your top choice, prestigious, maybe it's a reach, but you want to go for it. Mm-hmm. Submit to those. Wait a fucking calendar year for them to reject you. And then submit to your next four to six, like mid tier. And then next, like, four to six, like, yeah. lower online only or whatever it may be. That's what people say to do. I have never actually done that because what keeps happening is I just, like, have a piece that's finally ready to go. And then I'm like, well, what's accepting submissions right now? Okay, well, I'm doing that. Like, I'm not going to wait yeah. until September 1 or whatever it is, like, when it's, yeah. when it's March. Or, and then even yeah. if you wait until the regular reading period um you gotta wait the four to six months to hear back like it's a very very slow process and i know for me like i care less about prestige i just like it's really exciting to have something published and i think having a Mm -hmm. publication on the horizon is more exciting to me than like it being like a huge prestige thing yeah having a potential publication somewhere big like yeah yeah Yeah, so do you have a like time limit on how long will you shop a piece around for do you do you stop shopping a piece around or or like yeah what's your process on that i did stop shopping well so i think it really depends on the piece right like Mm -hmm. um in short answer yes like most of my short fiction and essays i've stopped shopping around because i realized Mm -hmm. Well, they're not strong enough. They're just not yeah. good enough. Like, frankly, they're not good yeah. enough to be published where I want them to be published. And mm-hmm. for some of them, I'm not willing or I don't want to, like, have them published at a publication that I otherwise don't read yeah. or, like, am not, like, yeah. really enthused about. Um, mm-hmm. Not that there are a ton of those, though, to be honest. Like, there's just not that many publications. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, I have stopped shopping a lot uh, of things. I have a long list of things that I have given up on because I've come to realize they're they're not as strong. And you know, it takes so much, so so long to shop something around. Like mm-hmm. after a year coming back to it, after a year of rejections and coming back to it with fresh eyes, I might like I keep having you know peaceful experiences of realizing, oh yeah, this doesn't suit my taste anymore i've evolved as a writer since then yeah yeah Uh, i think that's fair i i I wonder how much of that though is just like is it that you're i i'm not saying that your tastes haven't evolved i'm not trying to like reject your premise but but i am wondering is just like how much of that also comes from it just being rejected enough time where it's like losing confidence a little bit in the piece too because like i know i've experienced that where it's like if something gets hits like that 15th rejection it's just like well shit man maybe i i'm the only one that thinks this is anything maybe this just is like in a similar revelation of just like maybe this isn't good but just like uh I'm never quite sure in that moment, is it actually not good or have I been unlucky and just haven't found the right spot? Like, yeah. I mean, there are so many, um, you know, victory stories of writers having the same thing rejected time and time again. Finally, someone gives it a shot and it totally, totally takes off. Um, So that totally happens. Also, you know, famously the J.K. Rowling story of Harry Potter being mm-hmm. rejected a bunch and, and mm-hmm. finally somebody's kid made him give it a shot and then he loved it and it became a huge money maker and now she's a turf. Um, yeah. Like, so it can really take off, you know? Rejection doesn't necessarily mean anything. It, yeah. But, I don't know. I think for me as a writer, like, I am... I have had experiences, like with my novel manuscript that is currently mm-hmm. sitting in an agent in two agents' inbox, fulls requested, mm-hmm. un, sitting unread in agents' inbox. I believe in that thing. Like, yeah. however many agents reject my query, like, I know mm-hmm. that that is good and that, like, I reread it mm-hmm. and I reread it and it's probably, I, I, I uh, submitted an excerpt of that to that contest that we were talking about. Nice. And... Like, yeah, there were some clunky sentences and there were some things that I cleaned up and um, parts that I, mm-hmm. like, tried to deliver on better. But, like, good God, I believe in that. Like, I know mm-hmm. it will be good. And I th- it's it's a really different feeling than I've had with the short stories that, in retrospect, I don't think are good anymore. <laughs> um, like, yeah. okay. I, I, the yeah. feeling is really, really different for me looking back on that novel yeah. manuscript, which has not yet been taken seriously or accepted any- anywhere, than it is looking back on Mm -hmm. several like on the nose metaphors and short stories that I've done or yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, It's just, I I don't know. I, I feel maybe I'm just thinking about myself and part of this too. Like that, that makes sense. Like saying that, especially given how how you're looking at it like that, that makes a lot of sense, but I, I, I don't know. Sometimes I worry that, like, I, I lose confidence in pieces the moment I start sending them out. Like, already I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't be sending this anywhere. This is not good. Like, if before <laughs> it even passes the threshold of rejection or anything like that. Like, I'm just, I, I'm just, like, being a little baby about it already. But, yeah. Well, why? What's your theory on why? It, like, personally? Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, like, if we want to get into the deep dark like tea time of the soul on that it's you know it's my own it's a lack of confidence and and my own like fears surrounding rejection and and, like fears surrounding like the inevitability of of, like things not working out like or or, in my own like anxieties and neuroses i think are just caught up in that like they're caught up in a lot of other aspects of my life like Mm -hmm. yeah okay i respect that um so it's not specific to you're writing. Probably not. Like, yeah. Okay, Ben's found a, a bigger issue. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, Ben and I were, dear, dear good listeners, sorry, it's weird when we, like, announce things to the listeners, just because I don't yeah. want to be like, remember when, you know, up to you. Yeah. Um, so, during our MFA program, our MFA program, like many MFA programs, run a, runs a literary magazine, The Swamp Ape Review, um, mm. which is a weird little guy. Um, we've published yeah. some Swamp Paper's published some really cool things. Um, yeah. The... And it, like every other literary magazine, just 
any literary magazine with free submissions will get a lot of weird stuff in their slush pile, including mm-hmm. stuff that, frankly, Ben is garbage, and sometimes yeah. including stuff that is really good but doesn't fit our particular yeah. magazine's taste or like yeah because our magazine has a different masthead every academic year doesn't fit mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. masthead's interpretation of our taste as compared to the previous masthead's interpretation of our taste um yeah i think it was really helpful for me to read for swamp ape and and, mm-hmm. and give me the confidence one to submit because there's some garbage that gets submitted to swamp, you know to like every yeah. literary, literary magazine but two yeah also, like, just gives me the confidence to submit. Like, if this schmuck can be submitting this schmuck. <laughs> um, but also, um, you know, reassured me that I rejected good stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, the, a lot of things did get rejected that were, that were totally worthy. Like, that, that even having to reject things that would fit. Like, things that would be totally just, just like a matter of space or, or a matter of, like how much we wanted to vote to something like yeah because you can't just say yes to everything weirdly but yeah no 100 percent. yeah and i don't know i think there was stuff that we rejected in swamp ape that like was not fully developed like just was three quarters of the way there and we had all we would like everyone would get the email saying read this one or like the announcement saying read these two or th- this this couple of yeah. stories or this couple this these few poems before the next uh staff meeting so that we yeah. can like have a boat and discuss it as a staff um yeah and then we discuss it as a staff and you know some people would be like i just love this premise or i just love this part or whatever but like as it yeah. doesn't cohere as a story and so we rejected it and like yeah. i think that's probably where a lot of my stuff landed you know like yeah I thought it was done, but from an outside perspective, it just doesn't come together as strongly as it does, as it needs to, to, to be ready to be published. Yeah. It's just, it's not living the way it's been living inside of your own head is not the way that it's going to land when another person reads it. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I take comfort in thinking that that's why my stuff was rejected because it just wasn't all the way developed yet not because it's a bad idea or that my execution is not was weak that i'm not capable of doing the execution just that i haven't you know come back to it with a fresh eye enough yeah just not quite there yet yeah no 100 percent i think that makes sense like yeah And, and that's why i feel the need to you know force myself when i'm in a submission mode to be like just if you think you're going to submit to something just do it just do it right now or else you're going to change your mind and not do it <laughs> like yeah so you you gotta gotta get it out there but yeah, yeah that's it, it's a it's an odd process uh, to be in the midst of submission because it's sending something out to you don't know where right like even mm-hmm. if you've read the magazine and you understand what the magazine likes and what they want like you send something to them and you're just kind of it disappears over the horizon and you don't really know where it's going yeah yeah let's kind of like explain like what it what the process is as a submitter to people listening mm-hmm. cuz I, I think we might mm-hmm. have some people listening who have never submitted to litmags um yeah. so the process of submitting to a litmag you search this the lit mag and the word submit and you'll find mm-hmm. a web page titled submission guidelines um mm-hmm. those submission guidelines are almost all identical across every magazine <laughs> um yeah yeah it's you use times new roman font size 12 or so help us god is what those submission yeah. guidelines are um sometimes in so many words <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and then yeah. they're all like for for a sample of what our taste is read our freaking magazine and that's yeah. fair like yeah because it's especially you know i i have i personally have committed the sin of mm-hmm. google magazine google the word submit click submit never read the magazine like that's yeah. not the mindset you should be in if you're taking this seriously you should be you know like yeah go read a, a few of their featured stories or a few of their featured yeah. poems before you um, yeah. think about the submit page. Um, okay, yeah, so you Google the magazine, Google the word submit, find their submissions guidelines. Um, most literary magazines use a service called Submittable. You can create an mm-hmm. account on Submittable for free. Um, some magazines charge a fee around $3 uh, mm-hmm. for a regular reading fee. Um a lot of magazines, especially the ones that Ben and I will recommend, are free to submit to. Yeah. 
Um, if it's unsubmittable, it is probably more likely to charge of $3. Uh, yeah. Other magazines have, like... There are some magazines that have, like, a weird other form that you have to remember your password to or, like, tell your yeah. browser to remember your password to because you're never going to use this website again otherwise. But they're going to mm-hmm. be like, oh, yeah, this is a real submission website. Um, and yeah. it looks like an ugly, it looks like a, f- a, a Dropbox form out of 2004. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I did submit something via a Google Sheet at some point. No, you did like, not. Yeah, I, I think I did. Yeah, that that feels right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Feels like the competition's less if they're not unsubmittable. That's what it feels like to Emily. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, if you're if you're on the Google Sheet, you're not paying submittable, so that which does charge a fee to have your magazine on there. So yeah. I thought it was submittable charges a fee if you accept more than a certain number of submissions. I don't know how it works. Oh, we it? should ask somebody uh, to come on the podcast yeah. and explain. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um. Yeah. So yeah, you find their submission guidelines, click their submit button. Um, a lot of magazines have reading periods, especially the magazines that are run by MFA students have tend to have reading periods because mm-hmm. MFA students are hard to get a hold of over the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, click that submit button. Wait four to six months for your form rejection. Um, yeah. Let me find some of my form rejections. Ooh, yeah. Let's do, uh, ooh, this is... Ooh, here, excruciating While you're looking for that, here's a fun question Ooh, do you have it in front of you no go ahead I'm okay it I was gonna, while you're looking for it what what is the fastest rejection you have ever gotten oh my god i think i got a rejection three days later once i was like nice. in an airport and i was like should i be dead like am i dead inside so just for anybody watching and i'm not very good at submitting I will be honest with mm. you. I am mm-hmm. not very actively submitting short stories um, because I frankly don't work in short form very well. Um, my yeah. short stories are not as good as my novel was. Um, I have at this very moment just in my submittable, this is this is a low number for, for writers. I have 78 yeah. declines mm-hmm. and three acceptances in submittable and six withdrawns and submittable. Mm. So, and to be clear, the acceptances, like, two of those threes are book reviews, so really only one actual, like, <laughs> yeah, people accept your book hey. reviews. It's free book reviews. Um, that's, that's something, dude. <laughs> that's something, Good. dude. So, these are, like, very normal proportions, like, one out of 70-something submissions mm-hmm. have been published, mm-hmm. and that's not atypical. People yeah. who are better at submitting regularly than I am will have, like, at least 10 to 20 submissions pending, um, yeah. submissions active at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not very good about it. Yeah, what were we talking I, about? I, I mean, <laughs> uh, I just uh, that that submitting is hard. Clearly, <laughs> like as we have just stated, um, submitting is hard because it's a, a difficult process of putting yourself out there, which is terrifying. And then it's also like it also just takes a long time because there's a lot of things that you have to do. Like what what do you put in your cover letters? Like when you oh, submit? Yeah hello okay so if the masthead says like fiction editor i'll address it Mm -hmm. to the fiction editor and the fiction readers otherwise Mm -hmm. i'll say hello magazine so Mm -hmm. either hello katie or Mm -hmm. hello insert magazine name here please consider the attached story for publication with magazine name thank you for your time warmly emily emily donovan is a insert bio here Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's my entire cover letter i don't go that deep with it because yeah. m- like if i am in a situation where like this story that you published last year changed my life and made me think differently about this subject matter and therefore i am hereby publishing i'm hereby submitting this to you because i think that your magazine that this is similar to that one story you published one time mm-hmm. um that's a great cover letter uh but it's not really the truth and when we were reading um yeah. for swamp ape i don't I, like, would see these 
people, most people's cover letters were basically nothing. Um, yeah. Or there would be people who'd write like three page essays for their cover letters. And I was like, this isn't the work. The work is going to decide if I publish it. The work and the work alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. so my cover letters yeah. are basically nothing. What are yours? Uh, about, about the same. Uh, about the same, just saying hello, you know, hello magazine, hello editor. Um, here, here, thank you for considering this for publication. That here are any details that you wanted attached to the cover letter bio. Like, yeah, and for the exact same reason of just like, you know, it, it's. I just find the whole process of that they still refer to it as a cover letter strange in and of itself because that always makes me think of the work cover letter, which is always you oh, know yeah. a three hundred to five hundred word document in in yeah. which I have sat down and inscribed to you like why you should actually look at my resume. But in this scenario, like when you're submitting, they're already guaranteed to read the work. Like the, yeah. the like you were saying, like we we breeze by that. I only. The only time we're going to look back at the cover letter is if you're going to publish it with to get their bio, like yeah. just so you can or, have that be smooth. Yeah, I'm going to confess to you, guaranteed to read the first half page of your work. Yeah, because there was yeah. stuff that I was yeah. like, this will not get better, and then yeah. I would scroll nope. to the bottom and I say, and I would read the last sentence and I'd say, this did not get better, and then I would exit out. <laughs> yep. Yep, like, oh, he did die. That's what I thought. Cool. Next. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. I have selected a random submission of mine. I submitted it to a prestigious magazine that has a particular reading period, so you know they're supposed to be more active during that time. Mm. I submitted it on September 27th, 2019, and I received a form rejection, which is totally fine and normal, on yeah. January 28th, 2020. So that would that's be... That's good turnaround. That's not bad at all. Yeah. For yeah. month turnaround, that is totally fine. And then a typical yeah. rejection. Uh, dear name, thank you for submitting name of piece. Uh, we appreciate your interest in the magazine, and we regret we are unable to publish this piece. Your work received careful attention from a team of readers. Um, giving each submission the time and respect it deserves is a central part of... Please don't freaking email us back rejecting the fact that we rejected you is what that is saying. <sighs> And then, yeah. thank you for trusting our magazine uh, with your submission. We wish you luck in all your endeavors. Signed, yeah. editors. Not signed editor name, just signed the editors. Yeah. Totally, totally normal process. Yep. And yep. I look back on this piece now, and I'm like, I don't think it's going to get that much better. You know? Yeah, mm -hmm. It's not ready. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get ready. I'll just move on to the next next idea. Yeah, it's not worth the. That's the odd moment is when it's like, when am I going to stop submit? Like, I'm both going to stop submitting this, and I'm not going to go back and work on it more. Like, get it, getting to that spot is always that like weird moment. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I like that moment though because it indicates that I have grown as a writer. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. To just be having that moment of revelation, just like you know what, this isn't it, Chief. This I I don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it it, and it's not going to be, so what just letting your, go. What uh, are yeah. submittable stats? My submittable stats are insane because I have had three different submittable accounts associated with three different email addresses. Do you just keep forgetting uh, your password, Ben? I partially what it is is that i made one associated with my undergraduate email account Mistake. and then i made one associated with my graduate school email no. account, learning nothing from the first time so now <laughs> i have started nothing. on a fresh submittable account on which i have one pending submission and nothing else um hey, yeah good job getting that pending out yeah exactly because uh, i submitted that today um <laughs> um congrats man how you feeling now? I feel okay. Um, I, I feel like I, I don't think that this piece is going to get published, if I'm being completely honest. Like, I, I'm trying to make sure I submit it to it at least 10 places before I walk away from it for a little while. Just because it's good to have number. Uh, I'm better when I have number goals like that. Like, it, it makes like me do it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But that, that's all we can ever do. <laughs> Um, speaking of how to choose which magazines to submit to, uh, mm. where, so you're currently in a, okay, do this while I am willing to do this. Otherwise I will chicken out kind of phase with yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Are you submitting to places that charge reading fees? 
No. Categorically, uh, why not? Uh, right, right now, because I haven't found what I wanted to submit to, I'm not against it. Like, it's not categorical. I'm sorry. Like, I, I jumped the gun on my response, but like, yeah, <laughs> it, it's um, uh, yeah, it, it's just you know, right now, if I'm submitting to places that are free, it's lower commitment. Also, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel that I'm investing money that is not going to have any sort of return to it mm-hmm. sort of thing like not to say that three dollars is like a lot of money like i'm not strapped for cash like that but it, it is just you know if it's free to submit then hey you know why not why not just throw my hat in the ring is kind of my attitude towards it but yeah yeah i like that and i did one time get a this piece ended up not being right for us, but do you have anything else that we mm. might be interested in? I didn't at the time, and then the editors changed, so mm. squandered that opportunity. Um, but it is true, you know, if if you put yourself out there, you might get unexpected, you know, positive response. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it's like, and I like the places I'm submitting to. Uh, there, there are a few places that I've just kind of submitted to before and got rejected by, and. We'll see how it goes. Like, it's my first time submitting to Alien, though, so we'll see. That, that'll that be interesting. Cool. I don't, I don't know if it's the right fit for them, but, you know, we'll, we'll find out. No one will be mad. I do like yeah. Alien's variety. Um, yeah. I was really strapped for cash during grad school, and I submitted to this mm-hmm. place that charged a, like, three or four dollar reading fee. Actually, I think it was four dollars because I remember being very mad that it wasn't the three dollars. So I was like, three dollars is standard, but four dollars—you really think you're something, you know? Um, I was there. I was there um, financially yeah. and emotionally, um, yeah. and I took that rejection a lot harder. That form rejection. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, today, like now, in an adult salary job, um, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, $3, like, I like this magazine, I like art, like, I want to help yes. support, please, you know, keep doing art, and maybe consider mine if you have time. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely, exactly. I'm enthousi- enthusiastically there. But for, yeah, anyone who is doing, like, categorically only doing free submissions, like, keep doing it, nothing illegal about it. And there's tons of, like, perfectly prestigious um magazines or perfectly the right fit for that piece magazines that don't charge mm-hmm. including right. i think swamp ape right swamp ape is still free last i checked it, it we went back and forth i think we're still free we we were um I, it really I'm depends on like the handful up. of donors and in, in south <laughs> in, yeah, in retirementville like... florida and honestly I think my main piece of advice is uh, try to find a literary magazine that is accepting readers right now. Yeah. Because I just am so much less intimidated by literary magazines due to having read for one. And Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm also less intimidated and also maybe like have a little bit better of an eye of the context where readers are going to be coming at your piece from. Yeah. Yeah, that that's really good advice. Um, to if you like, especially because if you're willing to volunteer your time, they they really don't aren't going to care much about skill level because slush piles for every magazine get huge because there's lots of people huge, writing huge. there. There's lots of people submitting. There's lots of people submitting for when they don't really know what they're doing, and lots of people submitting professionally, and it's all all there in the same folder. So they they. They will take your help if that's something that you're worried about, like not getting that job. No, they'll give you that job because it's you're not going to get paid for it, probably. So yeah, it's a it's a massive volume of work, yeah. um, and it's inherently rewarding, but also just it was, it was, I I went for at Swamp Ape, I became the visual arts editor for a reason. <laughs> it's. Here's the thing. If you, and I chose a hell of a good cover. Look yeah, at that you cover. really did. That 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 is a key cover right there. That that is some good shit. Pull this up. Um, yeah. Well, we'll link. We will link to Swamp Paper Review in the show notes for this episode for sure. But yeah, hang on. I want to find the name of our visual artist. Hell yeah. Uh, her name was Danielle Cle Danielle Klebs. 
Um, she's had a number of things published uh, in various literary magazines. We actually, she had previously been published in Alien, I think was how mm. I found her, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Um, and our cover, we said we wanted something that felt like Florida. Um, yeah. And our cover is just a dude who, I tell you, this man looks like he's from Florida. He, he, this man looks he, like he's he has from Florida. a vibe for sure. He looks pissed. He looks he drunk. Looks <laughs> a little sunburn, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it's a great painting. I I, I really do it's, love that one. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's really talented. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that is I chose visual art as the thing that I would be in charge of because I was already at my capacity of of how how busy I was. Yeah, yeah. If if you like if you like bad writing. If that like interests you to see like the kinds of mistakes people make in writing, like the, then reading for a literary magazine can be very enlightening, uh, because hugely it, useful. Like you, you get to see you you'll you learn what cliches are, and I know that it, it, there's kind of like a, a thought among people. It's like oh, I know what's cliched, and, and like you probably know all the big cliches but it's only through that sort of pattern recognition will you begin to see like how like how much is actually cliched like things that feel original have been done time and time again even like and there's five others in the slush pile that they have to get through today yeah what do you remember being cliche that you read in the slush pile it's not exactly a specific thing thing that i remember being read but but it's just like there are certain shapes that stories take that that you see over and over again like mm-hmm. I, I feel like the dead dog story is something that we brought up a lot that it's like oh, you're oh my god there some- were so mm-hmm. many stories about dead dogs or dogs that then die yeah. very predictably yeah exactly and it's like before that i'd never really thought of the dead dog of a dog dying as being like a cliched thing like that hadn't mm-hmm. really occurred to me like but because it's also something i never really thought about writing about but it, it's just like yeah there's a lot of that like like just like w- moments of like using that as a shock trope like violence against an animal or or like violence against a person even just as a shock trope is like Mm -hmm. you know something that you see or that's supposed to be like the emotional climax is this physical altercation and that sort of repeats itself over and over again and realizing that if you are going to do that that you have to really provide like significant justification within the plotting of the story or like like metaphorical significance to what's going on like painting it in such a way that it has not been painted before like yeah yeah if you are if anyone's looking for um violence done in a way that is felt felt really fl- fresh um Lydia Yuknovich has a um the, oh my god it's uh i wanted to call it the name of that guillermo del toro movie um <laughs> the shape of water mm. but i was like wait a minute um yeah the chronology of water the chronology mm-hmm. of water um that memoir is phenomenal and i think like just reading it will up up your up your game if you're looking for ways to like topics mm. that have been done before in ways that are just deeply exciting um that that's my recommendation the chronology of water um yeah yeah a lot of cliches a lot of cliches in a slush pile yeah which isn't to say don't do the subject matter just have read enough that you will know the context in which your target reader uh is the context that your target reader will bring to it yeah um and if you know the type of reader who reads for literary magazines isn't your target reader that's fine but like know that literary magazine readers specifically are reading a lot of dead dog stories are reading a lot of um twist violence abrupt violence stories um yeah 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 a person dying of cancer also there's a lot of that like i I think that finds its way into the slush pile of like if we're trying like i feel like the deadly disease comes to people as like if they're trying to write early versions of what they consider to be literary like what's a serious issue that people deal with in their day-to-day lives mm-hmm. and it's like oh they you know th- we die of disease that happens so you know we can paint that tragedy even if we haven't experienced it ourselves or if we don't fully understand its implications like you you see a lot of that like, like div- disease as device yeah yeah i think the cliches 
are more on the conceptual level, the ones mm-hmm. that like we've been talking about at least, rather than on the line level. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The conceptual level of like, well, I want something dark to happen, but I don't want to go too dark or too yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, a dog could die. Yeah, that seems safe. Like, I think that's the thought process. Yeah. And I am guilty of it too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I've written that kind of, that level of, of concept. Yeah. But yeah. like, there's no way to know that that's boring and cliche. Yeah. Unless if you have read enough to know the context that literary magazine readers will bring to it. Yeah, and you have to write that stuff too. Like, I I feel like I don't want anything I'm saying to say as if I'm like looking down on the people that wrote this stuff or or that I think that they're lesser writers or or like not capable of writing, you know, beyond that level. It's just like, I I think it's just that process of like finding your way through. Like, like there there have to be that stuff, like, you know, I wrote my, you know, 14 knockoff Borges stories before I even wrote a story that I would consider remotely original. And even then, it, it, it lacked that originality. Like, it, it's you, you you get there through doing that stuff, too. So it's necessary practice. It's just interesting how it finds its way into those piles. You get a very intimate look into the soul of writing like, and what that means to people through reading for a magazine. Yeah, yeah, definitely worthwhile. Okay, we have been talking about literary magazine submissions for like 45 minutes. Yeah, um, it's true. Uh, writing is going fine for me. I'm tweaking yes. that thing. Um, mm-hmm. I finally read Minna Needs Rehearsal Space. Nice. That, literally this entire 45 minutes was our, was our like, how are you this week, yeah. by the way. Um, <laughs> it could also be the episode, yeah. <laughs> maybe it'll just be the episode. Yeah. Um, I finally read Minna Needs Rehearsal Space um, in... I was just like, Ben's right. Like every throughout it, I was like, oh my God, the structure of like the, it being such limited third person close mm-hmm. to Minna, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she would say like statement fact and then also like poetic, this isn't literal. And then also like clearly Minna's very subjective opinion where we're all said in the same tone. And it was just really fun. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Great. Thanks for the rec, Ben. Yep. Happy to. It's a good little book. Did you get that double edition that has like the other novella in there as well? Yeah, I got the one that Grey Wolf published. Cool. Yeah. If you read that other one as well, let me know about that because I'm curious to see if I should try to find it. I that. have yeah. already returned it to the library because ah. I was cutting that ish <laughs> close. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I'm glad you read Minerine's Rehearsal Space. It, it's, a, it's a cool book. I, I did that, you know. I mentioned it before, but her other book that I read, Shoulder Mirror Signal, also very good, solid read as well, very funny. Um, she's a great writer. Dorte Norris knows what's going on. She she's great. I found about out about her through um, actually uh, Jarrett Kobeck w- was writing about her at some point. Like yeah, Jarrett Kobeck. Yeah, last week. yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, so that's the that went together wild. of worlds. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, for. Reading wise, um, still reading the Bell Jar. Have not finished it yet, God, because I'm just trying to really concentrate on it as I read it. Uh, read another sixty pages. I'm in the very dark parts. I, I, I'm post suicide attempt at this point, where she's in the hospital um, still mm. at this point. Yeah, which is very, very intense and very well written like i i don't know the the character De- esther is just so deeply human uh, on the pages mm-hmm. like the the way that she is drawn that plath draws her it is just so you know she she it's that thing that like i often say i don't like because i think it's impossible is that this person it feels like a human being even though it's not it's a collection of you know not even that many words it's a, it's not even that long of a book but but it's just she there's something so relatable about how vulnerable she expresses her like internally she is and the exterior mm-hmm. that she puts out of just like shutting down completely as a defense uh, and so that no one can get access to that vulnerability mm-hmm. like yeah it, it's so it's just very good yeah i think like the bell jar is so rich with contradictions and mm-hmm. human beings are mm-hmm. rich with contradictions mm-hmm. and i think it's a big part in general of what makes Esther feel so realistic. Um, there are points where she's witty and sly and she's smarter than everybody else in the room. And there are other points where she is delusional and mean mm-hmm. and bad yeah. um, to perfectly innocent people. Yeah. And that's 
that makes her feel really real. And I think structurally, it's really, I, I would actually love your thoughts on the structure of like, I truly believe that the part where she is in New York feels like a meaningfully different book yeah. than than her depressive episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, or possibly manic episode. I'm not, I don't know enough about any of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it definitely seems like it kind of like oscillates there. But yeah, the, the, the time in New York is so interesting because like, it's almost as if the way it precedes the depressive episode it, it is like almost known to Esther as she's experiencing it in New York. Like you can kind of see her like looking at the clock and like feeling the ending of this coming. And then when she goes back home, finding out that she doesn't get that writing grant to go, go to the workshop is kind of what sets everything off because now she's stuck at home, which is the last thing she wants. Like, and just, the knowledge that that is a potential future she kind of carries through all the New York stuff. And she mm-hmm. uses that time in New York to kind of like press it down a little bit and like, oh, you know, she has a good time. She'll go out and do things, even if she's not getting along amazingly with everyone around her. In those moments, you can tell she's being romantic about the entire experience. Like she's kind of loving her own sadness a little bit during that time as we oh, all yeah. want to do. Like, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And it's just like... Just being that kind of romantic figure, she sees herself as potential as having the potential to be, um, and, and you know, and therefore in those moments it takes on that romantic character where it's like it, it does feel like anything could happen. Maybe something amazing will happen, and the sadness comes from when she's stuck in reality and it doesn't. And then she goes back home. She's in reality, and it's just unbearable to her to have to like face the fact that she's a human being in the world because that's a deeply terrifying like thing that i think we that everyone has to contend with and i personally mm-hmm. understand like i find that very relatable of being like just finding it extremely overwhelming to just have to exist sometimes like that that being a very sore moment of like waking up and being like wow it's every day every day is the present i'm always going to be around until i'm not right here and today yet again (laughs) yeah exactly like and i think that she just embodies that so well and it it, they do feel like two different books for that reason like the yeah yeah. Hmm. i think the new york section is designed to you can as you're reading kind of put esther's very noticeable depression out of mind Mm-hmm, and you can mm-hmm. just focus on like her observations about how other women treat each other mm-hmm. and how um, men and the, on the estates treat women and yeah. like what dating dynamics are like. You can just focus on like you can't ignore her depression in the first first section, and you cannot in <laughs> after she comes home. Yeah. Um, and I think it's like structurally like if you're going to write a character who does really unlikable things mm-hmm. like get us to sympathize with her mm-hmm. before yeah. she starts going off the rails is yeah. just a classic structure that keeps working and i think that's yeah. what the bell jar does yeah yeah 100 percent agree because like because you can't do it the other way like or you can but it's a different book if you're starting with the character in this manic state that the, that's you know that that becomes an entirely different kind of thing. Like you're reading a different sort of book then where you're not supposed to relate to the character. Whereas at this point you're supposed to because of like, and then see yourself in the fall. And I think that's what makes it why that's part of the reason why it's probably been canonized as like this amazing coming of age novel. Like be, because mm-hmm. we all see ourselves in that moment, like in that that duality to, that Esther has. I think we all see ourselves in Esther to a degree that, like, we forget that Sylvia Plath was born in the 30s. Yeah. Like, this happened to Sylvia Plath, or, like, the real-life events that inspired this happened to Sylvia Plath in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. this was published in the early 60s. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I think contemporary readers just, like, like identify with the all of it feels so modern in so many ways that it's mm-hmm. hard to like it's easy to forget like the historical context of like no esther is not 
doesn't I don't think she's more self more obsessed about marriage than other women are like yeah. I think that that's just what society was structured around yeah exactly like it's not harping on that 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 is that is a universe that, that's a, a universal at the time that is no longer a universal like yeah that that's part of that texture yeah like it's it's fantastic it's every time i think about it i'm just like oh this is a good fucking book i'm so glad to be reading a good fucking book like yeah did you say you wanted to do a sentence a sentence structure thing today um i i just kind of want to talk a little bit about it. i don't have anything even super specific to go into on that but but just uh, let, let me see if i can just uh find something uh let's see Flipping through some pages next to a microphone. <laughs> Can I read a sentence that I think is funny, but the uh, structure is more of just a conventional yeah. uh, stand-up comedian structure? Yeah. So um, stand-up comedians usually use a structure of like lists of three. Where the first two create an expectation and the third thing in the list breaks that expectation. Mm -hmm. So a really good example of a list of three from the bell jar. Um, Esther is looking at her face in a mirror. Um, It looked bruised and puffy in all the wrong colors. It was a face that needed soap and water and Christian tolerance. Mm. (laughs) It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Every time. It was a face... It was a face that needed soap and water and Christian tolerance. The <laughs> list of three, normal thing, thing that another normal thing that sets an expectation, mm-hmm. and then a third thing that's a combo breaker. And it's also like, I don't know if Christian tolerance was like a phrase more common at the time, but it's super yeah. funny to be now. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> not something we talk, not a phrase we use commonly anymore. Yeah, exactly. It's a, not a common phrase, but also something that we like. We know exactly what's being conjured there. Like, just just that design. Like, like, because also, because like Christian tolerance can almost be thought of on a double meaning as like pity. Like, that mm, they mm-hmm. can be involved in that. Like, yeah, it, a, a great moment um, here. Just to bring up another image from here. Um, uh, you couldn't tell whether the person in the picture was a man or a woman because their hair was shaved off and sprouted in bristly chicken feather tufts all over their head. Like, th- this is her looking in the mirror uh, after her suicide attempt and not being able to understand that it's her. You know, one side of the person's face with purple balls out in a shapeless way, sh- shading to green along the edges and then to a sallow yellow. Like, that, the imagery of bruising there it is just really well-conceived and, and very, like... Ex- it just conjures that image perfectly, the way that the colors fade I- I- into each other, which is such a hard thing to capture in words, like good, solid, mm-hmm. colorful imagery. Like, I feel like that's something that I've always struggled with is finding ways to convey color properly rather than just saying like it was blue or it was red. (laughs) Like, yeah. 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 I also really like that that color imagery is right next to something comedic with the chicken feathers. We, we read the color part again. Yeah. Um, one side of the person's face was purple and bulged out in a shapeless way, shading to green along the edges and then to a sallow yellow. That's gross as hell. Yeah. And that's, like, painful to envision, whereas chicken feather, like, hair isn't painful. And I just, Mm -hmm. this book is such a phenomenal mix of comedy that tricks you into getting through something really heavy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's a big part. Like, and also is such a good way of observing that, like, even when you're really depressed and and like just beyond all hope like the world doesn't stop being funny like funny things don't stop happening but humor just becomes bitter instead of Mm. being this Mm -hmm. joyous thing like it becomes snide and conniving rather than like open and inviting like and and Mm. she just captures that really well in there too like just through that use how closely they sit to each other on the page yeah Honestly, I think the craft lesson from today might be steal ideas from stand-up comedians. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. 
the 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 list of three with a one-two punch and the mm. combination of just like keep working an image until you're able to come up with like some of your images at least not all of them but keep mm. working on an image until you're able to have multiple different tones and images right next to each other because the tone of this like terrible bruising this bulging bruise fading from green to yellow and chicken feather hair here like that's a really good juxtaposition and like just to like have a wider variety of like which tones you're going for and who you take inspiration from for those different tones i think that's the craft lesson for this section yeah uh, i i agree that that done learned um but yeah it, it is just about <laughs> because that that thing of understanding that no matter what kind of thing you are writing you can still take inspiration from anything like, mm-hmm. you don't have, like, oh, I'm writing a book about history, so I should be exclusively taking my lessons from historical dramas and actual historical context. It's like, no, you can still just be inspired by anything that's inspiring you. Like, it, it doesn't have to be that direct. You're right. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Sick. Congratulations. Nailed craft it. solved. Again. Close the shop. <laughs> that's it. That's craft. Th- those are all of the crafts. <laughs> and there they are. <laughs> but yeah, this has been a fun episode to talk honestly about um, submission, a process that scares me deeply. And that you got this. It's hard. You yeah. Got this. Throw it out there. Hat in the ring, Ben. Hat in the yeah. ring. Hat in the ring. Uh, throw all, Get all sorts of hats. Throw them into all sorts. Throw the hat um, that we discussed from last week into the ring. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, so do we want to do recommendations? We should do some recommendations. All right. Uh, ben, what's something that isn't reading or writing uh, that has brought you joy this week? Um, there is a new season of Joe Para Talks With You coming out right now season three i don't know if you've ever seen this show it's an adult swim show um but it's not an adult swim show in anything but name and the fact that it appears on adult swim it is a incredibly slow paced and very kind form of comedy it is about joe para is the comedian who created it and he plays himself uh, or a fictionalized version of himself living in a small town in the upper peninsula of michigan and just kind of hanging out and every episode he'll discuss a topic with you like the first episode is called joe para shows you iron and he kind of jokingly talks about the mineral deposits that are around um (laughs) the the upper peninsula of michigan and like makes little jokes about that while showing you things and slowly as the seasons go on you there is this entire cast of characters that surrounds joe his grandmother Mm. is there he has his best friend gene there's the woman he becomes involved with played by joe firestone who is very funny in this show as well um and it it's just this very sweet kind form of comedy it's not trying to jump anything on you it's it's surprising but it's surprising in small, delightful ways rather than in big, loud ways. It's really, I really like good. That. Yeah. That sounds extremely low stakes, too. Yes, it is. Yeah. Which is, sounds nice. Like, even lower stakes than Shit's Creek, which is a similarly, mm-hmm. like, really delightful and pleasant comedy show. But it is, mm-hmm. like, a plot that is building on itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, Maybe Shit's Creek so moves just... way harder than, than, than this does. Yeah, like, for sure. Because even at just, like, jokes per minute in Shit's Creek, like, the, that that show is very funny and it's very joke-heavy. Like, whereas yeah. this just will just kind of slow down and just kind of show you a shot of the mountains sometimes and just linger on it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, isn't that nice? <laughs> like, yeah. This sounds it, extremely it's... nice, Ben. Yeah. What a pleasant recommendation. It's a good one. How about Wait, you? Wait, what is it called? Joe? Jo- Joe Para Talks With You. Joe Para talks with you, yes. dear listener. Yes, exactly. He talks directly to the camera a lot, and it's it's very calming. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really nice. I feel <laughs> calm already. Yeah. Um, my non-reading, non-writing recommendation is... Okay, for context, I'm a plant killer. Like, unfortunately, I keep trying so hard and loving them so hard, and yet... <laughs> um, so... I love the smell of lilies, but who can afford to, like, buy cut flowers every week? Um, And I was at a plant shop with a friend who knows how to keep track of plants. And this friend was uh, 
not was walking me through it, mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest. Um, I bought these uh, winter bulbs. They're going to, you can see them behind me, Ben. That's why. Mm-hmm. They're if, very if, nice if, looking. If, very pretty. They're very nice looking. Um, they're just like in water. So it's a nurse, Narcissus paper blossom. Okay. And then also I bought some, no, I've forgotten the name of the thing I'm recommending. I know what I'm doing. I'm not incompetent. I swear. Hang on. <laughs> Uh, what are you called? You're beautiful. Come back. Hyacinths. Um, okay. Hyacinths also. Mm-hmm. Um, so now's, now's the time. If you would like to have a little flower that is pungent in smell, that will bloom in a little cup of water for several weeks during the winter, get out there, listener. Go buy some nar- narcissuses and some hyacinths <laughs> and listen back here. By the time this episode airs, we'll see how much... I, I bought three that were already in bloom. They were literally $2 each. Like, this is nice. so amazing. And then I bought, like, a bunch that haven't bloomed yet, and we'll see what the... I'll post the results when this episode comes out in a few weeks. Love it. Beautiful. That's that's awesome. Uh, I, I love a nice flower in the house. Uh, as another it is killer. pungent, yeah. Ben. I gotta Ooh, tell nice. you. This Ooh. is this is some this is some floral, floral smell in this room. Ooh. That, that's good. I, I'm glad about that. <laughs> yeah, big wreck. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, yeah. This has been the Good Writing Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm Ben. And I'm Emily. Um, you can get in touch with us. We have, indeed, a Twitter, mm-hmm. a Twitter, a Kiont, mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, please follow us at goodwritingpod at, on twitter.com. Yes. And email us at goodwritingpod at gmail.com. No, no, it's Good Writing Podcast. Good Writing Podcast. We have cast the just pod on Twitter, podcast on email. You, we couldn't fit the cast into the character count. Uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to. Um, yeah, so Good Writing Pod on Twitter, goodwritingpodcast at gmail.com for an email. Um, we would love to uh, hear if you guys have any crafts questions. I don't know what yeah. we're at. I'll take we'll, whatever we'll take you think that point. we can talk to you about. We will try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can ask. You know, I'd I'd request that you ask about writing. But if you want to ask about something else, you know, it's fair game. <laughs> if it's, it's too personal, we game. won't read it on air. But we'll discuss it off air, and you can keep that in your heart, I guess. <laughs> yeah, keep it in your yeah. heart. Hold it. Hold it close in your heart. Hold it close in your heart. Yeah, uh, rate and review um, us on iTunes. Uh, five stars, please. I request this. Five stars only. Otherwise, don't rate us or review us on iTunes. Uh. <laughs> oh, here's the thing. If you write a five-star review, we'll read that on the air. Also, lower commitment than writing an entire email. We'll, just, mm. we'll read our own reviews on the air. Hey, guys, yeah. I know you already found us. <laughs> just so you know, you guys love us. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, have a good Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in one week. Uh, I think we're still coming out on Mondays. Yes. Uh, go do some writing. Yes. Have a good week, people. Bye. Bye.